The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. Alabama wins! What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to a last in a series edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Yep. Today's part three in our January roster series. Part one was transfers and departures. Part two was projected starters on offense. And part three is projected starters in defense. If you've not listened to part one and part two, part three will make no sense. So if you've not listened to part one and part two, let me just, we'll pause. We'll rate right here. We won't go anywhere. And then you can listen to those and come back and we'll do the defense. So, Go ahead, and we'll wait. All right, welcome back. Fantastic. That's awesome. You had those on, uh, like, double speed and finished them up. You know what? I find that I sound better on double speed. I'm so- I'm Southern, so I talk real slow and put you on ums and ahs and all that shit. And when you listen to it, like, one and a half times, two times, all that goes away. Like, I'm like a like, like a broadcaster. And I listen to all my podcasts on double speed. I'll tell you this. I listen to all my uh, all podcasts and all that stuff that I listen to. Uh, I listen to it on double speed. After you get used to listening on double speed, which is not as hard as it sounds, when you go back and listen to it on one speed, everyone sounds drunk. So that's kind of a fun game. Get used to it on double speed and then listen to it on single speed, and everybody will sound drunk. Like I probably will sound really drunk. Uh, but anyways, there you have it. All right. Same disclaimers as before. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Same disclaimers as before. Uh, this information is for entertainment purposes only. These are educated guesses that we're making in January. Like this stuff can change before you even hear it. Uh, between the time I record it and you hear it, uh, it could change. It will certainly change with uh, spring drills and summer camps, fall camps. Also, similar to offense. Um, I'm not giving a full too deep, but I'm going to give enough uh, variance to cover personnel groupings. You know, when I when I started to write out my notes and I wrote down personnel groupings, I was like, man, that's such a loaded term. It's a fun term. 
think about personnel groupings, start to think about formations. And I started writing, and I think I wrote like, uh, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, I think I wrote a page and a half notes on just personnel groupings and formations and just, and I was going to try to explain some of that. And look, I'm not an expert, but if I don't understand it, it's no fun. And so like, if I watch a game and I don't even understand some of the basics, it's just absolutely no fun. I can't get into hockey. And so if you're, if you're interested in, in sort of, you know, me doing, you know, laying down some tracks on personnel groupings and informations, let me know, email me, and then we can make that uh, a one-off show that we do uh, as well. So anyways, put that out there. It's interactive, man. It's summertime. We can do whatever. It's not summertime. It's still winter, but it's off-season time. So at any rate, all right, let's jump just right in. And, uh, you know, the <laughs> I'm going to do a simple version of uh, defense. I'm going to mostly treat it. And then I look at my notes and I don't do this. Uh, so never mind. I was going to say I'm going to treat it as three position groups, uh, uh, defensive line, linebacker, and secondary. And then I look at my notes, and I've got outside linebackers broken out from inside linebackers, and I've got four different corners and safeties and nickels and dimes. And so I can't tell you a defensive line that I'm going to treat it like three positions, and then I don't do that. So anyways, we're going to step through it. It's going to be fun. It doesn't matter. Alabama defensive line. Alabama typically plays between two and four defensive linemen, and uh, three is really the most common. And so when I outline uh, names here, uh, projected starters uh, at the defensive front, I'm going to give you three names. And I said I wasn't going to do it too deep, but damn it, if I don't have another three uh, or four names, then are kind of on a watch list. So starters for Alabama defense, this fall. So again, we're reaching into the future and making predictions here. Uh, Jaheim o- uh, Oates is is Otis is a starter at, at the nose. Uh, he supplanted DJ Dale, I think, last year. Just just a powerful force of an individual. Uh, one of my favorite plays that he made last year was just single handedly uh, plowing through uh, the center, backing the center up, putting him on skates. I think this was the K State game. Putting his hand hand up, batting the ball. It's as close to one beating eleven as you'll ever get. Uh, it was just absolutely phenomenal. Jaheim Oates, uh, Otis is a player, and he's going to be a start across the Alabama defensive front. I have a little bit of finger crossed and uh, optimism in saying Justin Aboibe is going to start uh, more sort of a traditional defensive end uh, position. If he is back and healthy, uh, he could transfer. He could not be healthy enough to play uh, this level of football. We're certain, certainly rooting for him. Uh, we said this uh, I think a couple of shows ago, Justin Aboibe, there's a little bit of heartbreak I, I feel for him. Uh, there was a, a game during the season, 22 season, and and as we were breaking it down like we do, Byron Young had, had gone down an injury, and they were questioning, is, how's the Alabama defense going to play without Byron Young? And my, and my, my response was, they're not going to miss a beat because Justin Aboibe is going to get more steps, uh, more snaps, and he is starting to kill it. And in that weekend practice, uh, Byron Young bounced back, never would have known that he was injured and about to miss a couple of weeks. And Justin Boyby missed the rest of his season uh, due to a neck injury. If he's back from that and then he gets back to where he was, he was about to light it up, I swear, the second half of the season. And if he comes back healthy and ready, he's going to do that during the 23 season. And so watch out for Justin Boyby. And then sort of the third uh, of I'm projecting three starting defensive linemen, there's a whole topic around that uh, we can unpack as well. Uh, during the offseason, 
but I'm I'm penciling in uh, Tim Smith uh, in that position. Now Tim Smith may get out. Uh, now I have some names that I'll put in there. Uh, Jamil Burroughs may beat out uh, Tim Smith. I think he needs to light a fire. I think he and Tim Smith are in are in the light a fire under my ass club because um, they could potentially uh, sort of get rolled over. Uh, Tim, uh, Tim Keenan got hurt his senior year and, and wasn't uh, really available to play last year. I think he has an opportunity. He's more of a big body in the middle, but uh, I think there's an opportunity that he could play. Uh, Curtis Perry and uh, Damon Payne uh, are a couple of guys to watch across the defensive front as well. Let's talk about linebackers. Again, Alabama typically plays between two and four. Uh, linebackers last season, 22 season, Alabama played uh, four linebackers, two outside linebackers that were linebackers by personnel grouping, but by formation, they walked up to defensive end uh, positions. And so Alabama played a lot of times uh, last season with two true defensive linemen and two outside linebackers walked up as ends. If you were to look at the visual, you'd say it's a four man front. It was literally, uh, but two were, uh, I would say, undersized outside linebackers with two defensive linemen. But we wonder why do teams have success running against us? That's a reason. I'm not going to unpack that now. What I'm going to tell you, projecting starters, if we say, hey, let's play as if it's four again and say two outside uh, linebackers and two inside linebackers, who would those players be? What names would you attach uh, to those positions? Well, I think that's easy. Outside linebackers are going to be Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell. Dallas Turner started last year at one of those positions. Chris Braswell uh, rotated in and is at, at the other. And uh, over the course of the season, uh, Braswell rotated more and more. There was a point in the season where even Saban says, we've got three guys that are nearly equal talent level. And uh, Will Anderson is the one missing of those three and probably the best of those three. Dallas Turner, I think, is right there. And Chris Braswell, I think, is right there. So uh, Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell uh, are the starters. Uh, who has an opportunity to sort of compete for rotation, for snaps, maybe even one of uh, those positions? Uh, Jeremiah Alexander, uh, a five-star in the previous recruiting class, not, not the most recent December class, which I guess was – early signing period in December, it'd still be considered a 23 class. So even though it was December of 22, Jeremiah Alexander then was part of the 22 class. I believe he was a five-star. I think he's, uh, will have an opportunity to compete. And then Keon, uh, Keon Kelly, Keeley and, uh, uh, Quay Russo, hopefully I'm saying that right, are both five stars in the 23 recruiting class. They signed in December in the early signing period. Uh, and so I think they have an opportunity to compete as well. A lot of talent at those outside linebacker positions, let there be no doubt. Uh, inside linebackers, again, if we're just going to play a traditional four uh, linebackers, two outside, two inside. I say traditional. It seems more new-ish in the um, 22 season where Alabama – stuck with four linebackers. And when and when they played a dime, you have to take a player out of somewhere. Alabama took it from the defensive front. Historically, Alabama's taken it from the linebackers. So uh, interesting. Uh, you want to have your best players on your field, but sometimes your best player is a 300-pounder because you need a 300-pounder on the field. So again, topic for another topic. Uh, but um, if, if we just play numbers and we talk names, and we say two inside, two outside, then Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, outside, inside, Deontay Lawson, he really came on uh, strong 
last season, 22 season, uh, I think he's going to have a significant opportunity to, to build upon what he's done. I think he's less competing for a position, and he's competing against how good he can be. Uh, that's what Deontay Lawson uh, is doing. Good in coverage, good in uh, blitzing, good in getting into the backfield, good at making plays at the line of scrimmage. Limited, uh, relatively limited uh, playing opportunity. I did not see you know significant gaps in his game other than he just needs time to get better. Uh, Justin Jefferson is a JUCO transfer. Just I just have the sense that he's going to be a day one sort of sideline uh, to sideline competitor at the middle linebacker position. I think. I think he's going to be really, really good. Uh, and then Alabama brought in a transfer from Georgia, uh, Tresman Marshall. I think he's going to be the third player competing for uh, two spots, but he's going to be very, very good. When I line, when I lined up all the players at the position to say who do I think is going to fit in, sort of in a rotation, you know, who's going to start and whatnot. I, one and two were very easy. Because uh, I feel that highly about Justin Jefferson. When I looked at all the other names, there was a, I thought, a gap uh, and not an insignificant gap. And I think uh, Tresman Marshall fits right into that gap. Is he as good as the first two? I don't know that he is, but he's a lot better than I think the other guys on the list. And so there's been some, there's been some sort of pushback across the fan base. Like, why do we get this guy? This guy's not a starter at Georgia. He's not a star. And we're used to getting stars and all this sort of bitch and moaning. You know what he is? He's exactly what Alabama needs at the position. It's a, it's a position that has a lot of names, but it has gaps between the starters and the backups. We need someone that can, you know, you want to have three at two, three players capable at playing two positions as opposed to two and then a significant gap because what do you do when you have to rotate players? What if someone needs to sit out a series? What if someone has to miss a game? You can't not have equal caliber players uh, in in the lineup. Plus, where's the competition? If one and two are significantly better than anybody else, where's the competition? Now there's competition. Now there's backup. Now there's strength. Um, it's exactly what Alabama needed. Exactly what Alabama needed. You see all those negative reports. That just kind of pisses me off. All right, now we're going to flip to secondary. Secondary, uh, man, there's like a voodoo uh, when it comes to secondary play. I'm just going to tell you that straight up. But Alabama will typically play between four and six uh, players in the defensive secondary. Uh, four is what Saban calls the base or regular. We almost never play it. Uh, five is nickel. That's five defensive backs. Nickel, nickel's five cents, five defensive backs. That's sort of the, the origin of, of the name there. This is what you see most often. Alabama, when I, when I say and others say that Alabama bases out of a nickel, that's what I mean. Alabama rolls the ball out on the field. Defense is going to have five defensive backs. And then – uh, six defensive backs is a dime. And there's nothing, you know, five and nickel, five cents, five defensive backs. There's sort of your, what is it, entomology uh, of a name. Nickel then, or, or dime for six is, well, what's one more? Well, dime, it just rolls off your tongue. You can't say, this is my six cent defense because that's my nickel and this is my six cent defense. Well, that's just stupid. No one says that. And so they say dime. It was nickel. Now we add one. Now it's a dime. That's, um, you know, five makes sense because the numbers dime makes sense because it's next. You just have to, it is what it is. Uh, I didn't make up the terms. I just, it helps if you know what they are. And so base nickel dime, four, five, six defensive backs. That's another way of looking at it. 
I make it a habit to count defensive backs, and so I know how many are out there. Uh, and then it's also good to know, again, Alabama most of the time is going to play out of a nickel. And so, no, one, two, three, four, five, all right. And if you know who the dime back is, then when you see that player on the field, you you don't have to count. You just know instantly they're six. And then you sort of get used to the rotation of well, when they come in with six, who comes out. It's typically a linebacker. Uh, it used to be with a nickel, but less so in 22. So you just kind of watch these things and sort of get the, uh, the read for it. You know, six defensive backs, that sort of breaks down into two corners, a left and right corner or field and boundary corner. Uh, two safeties, traditionally a free and safe. Saban says that, hey, we train them both. We cross-train the safeties that they can both play if free and safe, and so they're really just two safeties. He's not wrong, uh, but he also definitely has sort of the traditional uh, – think of Jordan Battle as more of the free and Helms a little bit bigger, more of uh, the strong safety. The strong safety typically is going to play closer to the line of the – line of scrimmage strong, right? Uh, plays uh, maybe over the tight end, maybe in coverage, but also supporting uh, the run. The free safety is more of a, a a lot of times a single center fielder. If you're going to play a single high safety, uh, you're typically doing that with the free safety. If you're putting a safety in the box, it's typically you're strong. All right. Probably one. We all know these things. I get wound up and um, that's what we get. And then the two extra positions when we go from four, when Alabama goes from four to six, uh, they have little catchy names. So we talked about nickel and dimes, but we got to have the catchy names on top of that. The nickel is called the star. I don't know. It's Saban's uh, defense. That's what he calls it. And dime is the money. Again, I don't know exactly why other than, you know, dime is the money. I don't put nickels money. I don't, dimes more money. I don't know the uh, etymology of his naming conventions, but nickel and dime is pretty standard. He calls the nickel star. He calls the dime money. So, all right. Again, probably a lot of stuff you didn't want to know. Hey, I just want to hear who started. All right. Very good. Let's jump into that. The corners are going to be Kool-Aid McKinstry. He has one of those uh, positions locked down. Uh, I think that's inarguable. The other position, the other cornerback uh, position is wide open for competition. Uh, I'm going to pencil in Terry and Arnold right now because he started in that capacity last year. Uh, three players started at the cornerback position opposite Kool-Aid last year, and two of them are no longer with the team. ELR Ricks and Kyrie Jackson. Hmm, that's why I wish they were back, right? Terry and Arnold, uh, I think he starts opposite Kool-Aid right now. Again, the other two players that um, would have started uh, or potentially competed or did start at the position in 22, Eli Ricks, Kyrie Jackson, they're both gone. Uh, Kyrie going, and we talked about him going to Oregon. That's not the worst decision that he could have made. Eli Ricks going pro, I think, is a pretty bad decision. If either of those players had come back, they certainly would have competed with Terry and Arnold. I think either of them would have beaten Terry and Arnold, uh, especially Ricks. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, meanwhile, Terry and Arnold is going to compete with a host of players at the position. The names that I might put at the top of the list for that competition are Earl Little and true freshman Desmond Ricks. I think no relation. Uh, ship to Eli. Uh, but nonetheless, I think that's going to be your competition for that other cornerback position. I really like the talent. Uh, it becomes a uh, experience, which I think gives Terry and Arnold the edge. Uh, would one of those guys potentially beat Terry and Arnold out by the end of the season? Yes, that could happen. Could happen. Uh, but I think Terry and, uh, has an opportunity to start the season. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, safety's nickel dime. This is more of a black bag. I don't know exactly how these are going to play out. So these are projections. Uh, safety, uh, I think Caleb uh, Downs plays more of the Jordan battle role. Caleb Downs is 
one of the highest recruited players in this uh, Alabama class, this 23 recruiting class. He's a true freshman. Uh, Christian Story has uh, been Biden time in the system. I think he takes over more uh, uh, D'Amico, uh, DeMarco Hellams uh, role. And so I think it's Caleb Downs and Christian Story at the safety positions. I think your nickel. And again, Alabama bases from a nickel, so the nickel's on the field almost all the time. The nickel's going to be Malachi Moore. If his back is right, as a freshman, Malachi Moore was incredible. As a sophomore, his back limited. That gave Brian Branch the opportunity. Some consider Brian Branch the better player anyways. He just, for whatever reason, wasn't ready as early as Malachi was. And in this last season, they both played but Brian Branch was a player you could not take off the field. So Malachi Moore, if he's over his sort of back ailments and he can come back and build on what he did his freshman season, he could be almost as good as Brian Branch. I do believe that. And so Malachi Moore at the nickel position, that's exciting. We like that. And we hope that his back is sturdy and right. At the dime position, again, this is the sixth uh, defensive back. I really don't know who's going to play at this position. Uh, and we go back, who are the players competing for that corner spot? Uh, Terry and Arnold, uh, Earl Little, Desmond Ricks. Uh, you could say that the one that, of the three, the one that doesn't win that opposite spot, the other two of them are battling for the dime position. And uh, and then I think uh, another true freshman safety, it's a five-star supposed to be really good, is Tony Mitchell. I think he has an opportunity to compete for that spot. Uh, so the dime is a competition. It's Earl Little, it's Ricks, it's Arnold, or it's Tony Mitchell. And it's way too early uh, to, to uh, you know, to sort of cast a guess, a, a guess in, in that direction. So there's a lot of names in the secondary. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. There's a lot of uh, inexperience in the secondary. And so, again, I think that gives Terry and Arnold an advantage because you want to get experience on the field, you know, where you can. I've talked about, you know, maybe Terry and Arnold at uh, at a dime if you brought someone in for a corner. We have seen safe, uh, we have seen true freshmen play well uh, at corner. McKinstry did. You kind of put them on an island and it, it can limit the responsibility. Money you know, safety, uh, or I'm sorry, it was a little safety, uh, but star can be a real complicated position uh, for a true freshman because there's a lot more variability. But at a cornerback and you say, go cover that guy one-on-one, wherever he goes, you go with him. That can be easier. That can be easier to sort of teach the scheme because it's just uh, sort of athletic. It's raw athleticism. You can cover a guy or you can't. Uh, you don't have to know the defense to be able to cover a guy in that sort of uh, capacity. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Again, we've seen uh, true freshman corners have success. We have not seen very many true freshmen uh, have success in a position, you know, like the star. Malachi Moore probably is a good example. And then Mika Fitzpatrick, I think, is the gold standard for that. All right. I'm going to throw this in sort of at the end. Um this, I think, is very subject uh, to volatility. So by the time you get this, it may be, you know, worthless. But I'm going to toss it in just uh, conversationally. These are kind of where my head is around coaching changes. Uh, and I'm going to stick with the coordinator positions. Once we sort of lock down the coaching positions, then, you know, maybe we'll do a show and talk about the guys in a little more detail. But let's talk just high-level offensive coordinator. I'm going to tell you right now, if Jeff Longo uh, from North Carolina had not gone to Wisconsin to be the offensive coordinator, he'd already be uh, announced or waiting to be announced as the offensive coordinator at Alabama. I'm confident uh, of that. 
he's quality offensive coordinator. Uh, schemes a good game. Uh, he's an older coach, and so he's been around the block a time or two. I think he would work well with Saban. So I think Longo would have been uh, the pick had he not uh, gone on to Wisconsin. I don't think maybe there's a phone call made. I think Alabama. I think Saban tried to hide. Uh, higher Longo at 1.2. Uh, I wouldn't rule out a phone call to Longo, but I don't think <clears throat> uh, Longo would leave Wisconsin after just a couple months, a few weeks. Uh, so I think uh, I think he's out of the running in that regard. Uh, from there, I think there's a there's a couple names, and you can put plus marks and minus checks uh, against every one of these guys. I think Jeff Levy probably is at the top of the list. Uh, I, I sort of became enamored with Levy a couple of years ago at Ole Miss and, and the games that he was calling for Ole Miss. I think maybe there's some Baylor backwash on him that that may make you think that, you know, we don't want him. I respect that. Uh, A.J. Milwee, I think, would be a phenomenal hire. He's the co-offensive coordinator quarterback coach at Texas. Um, I don't know that he would leave Texas after, you know, with Arch – coming in and that was sort of his prized recruit. Uh, he put in a lot of effort to, to bring him in. So we know Milwee could recruit. We know Saban wants that. Uh, he's a little younger. Uh, Milwee is. And so does Saban want that? It's a fair question. I don't know. Uh, but AJ has spent time in Alabama, uh, understands Saban. Saban understands him. So maybe that could work. I think that could be a, a good hire. Uh, Charlie Weiss, uh, interesting. He's the offensive coordinator in Ole Miss now. Not, not daddy. Uh, this is Charlie Weiss Jr. I think he would be an interesting hire. Again, he spent time at Alabama. Going to be on the younger end uh, again, but the familiarity with Saban uh, and Saban with Weiss uh, potentially you know, could pay dividends there. And a name that I categorically said no to, and, you know, with a discussion, uh, you know, sort of a discussion, discussion thread with some, uh, some of the listeners, I'm, I've, I've, I'm not a convert but I'm not anti Dan Mullen in the way that I was maybe even 24 hours ago. And so I think there's an interesting sort of component that he, uh, that he brings. I think he wants to go through a car wash. I might would prefer him as an analyst versus OC recruiting is not his strong point, but I think he would just come to work every day and coach the hell out of some offense. And so that could be interesting. I think his career, his age and his career, you know, position, I think he very, pleasantly could work uh, and get along with uh, with Coach Saban. He's seen a lot. He's done a lot. Um, he coached for Urban Meyer, and so he's been in sort of pressure pack cooker situations. He's run his own program twice. I think he could he could work under Saban, you know, in a way that some people might would struggle with. Um, and I think he could probably coach the bottom out of some some offense. So that's potentially an interesting hire. Uh, again, I don't I don't balk against it like I did uh, even just a couple of a couple of days ago. So we'll see how that plays out. We'll spend some more talking about uh, time talking about it once there's a hire. Uh, Saban certainly is not reading my list, and so he may not entertain any of these guys. Let's talk about defensive coordinator. You know, I think it's similar uh, in that we don't yet know what's going to happen, and it'll be a hell of a lot of fun to talk about when we do. Uh, the name sort of at the top of the list, and you could put a blanket around the top three, and I think most Alabama fans are going to be happy. Uh, Greg Shulman, uh, co-defensive coordinator at Georgia, and he was a coach at Alabama before he left to, uh, to go with Kirby Smart. And so he might be a fun hire, taking something away from Georgia, uh, giving us uh, something back on our side. 
he's younger. And so, you know, again, that becomes uh, potentially an item. Jeremy Pruitt coming back, there's all this almost like knee-jerk excitement about that. It's not unfair, uh, but there's some obstacles to, to go through there. I do think at a minimum, Pruitt comes back as an analyst. I, I, I feel a lot more confident in that. Is DC? It's hard to say. Uh, Jeff Leonard is a very intriguing hire. I uh, thought well, he was going to get the Wisconsin job. He was a defensive coordinator at Wisconsin for a number of years, played at Wisconsin, played pro, and uh, highly regarded as both, uh, I think, a recruiter uh, and uh, a defensive coordinator, not part of the Saban system. And so Leonard might say, you know what, if I can't get the head coaching job while I am the interim head, uh, head coach, after being a successful defensive coordinator and a successful interim head coach at my own freaking alma mater, then like I need something else on my resume. And so going and spending a couple of years as Saban's defensive coordinator may, may sort of write that ticket. And so I think that he would have some interest and he would just suck it up and do whatever because I think he wants to be a head coach. And he's probably sort of frustrated that um, he was not able to parlay uh, his Wisconsin opportunity uh, into that. And then the name that I'm going to say, and I'm going to throw up in my mouth after I say it, uh, but uh, Todd Grantham, he keeps, uh, his name sort of keeps uh, bubbling up. He's been an analyst in Alabama since he left Florida, and he has in prior lives coached with Saban, I want to say Michigan State, and there is a reasonability that he could step in, and um, the players are familiar with him. Uh, the team, the staff, the other coaches, all of that stuff. He's familiar with them. And so, you know, there'd sort of be no drop in that regard. Todd Grantham has had success in defense, so you could do a lot worse, uh, although it's not really, you know, kind of what you want. Uh, I think if uh, I do think, and so again, not to go conspiracy theory, but just understanding you hire people into jobs and titles and roles, and they don't all have to be the same thing. And so if you, promote Ty Grantham to your own the field defensive coordinator and you bring in Jeremy Pruitt as an analyst. What's really happening during the week? Who's really, you know, setting the game plan? Who's really doing, you know, game day might be a little bit different, but you know, who's really doing the legwork during the week? I don't know. Uh, a year from now, would Pruitt's name be less toxic to be uh, a defensive coordinator? Well, maybe, maybe not. And so uh, maybe you bring in Grantham to buy you a year while Pruitt's an analyst. And then a year from now, and it feels like that would be forever, but in the context thereof, you know, Jeremy Pruitt coming on as DC in 24 might not be the end of the world either. So again, throwing out ideas because these are the things that, these are the things that bounce around in my brain and damn it, I've got to share it with somebody or I'm going to go crazy. All right. So that's what I got. Uh, yeah. Oh, finally through all my notes. Holy cow. That took a lot longer than I thought about. I hope uh, everyone here has enjoyed that. And uh, like I said, if there's any questions, any of these discussions, any of these things that we want to poke at in some off-season shows, please, please let me know. Just reach out, alabamafootballpodcast at gmail.com, and uh, we'll engage dialogue from there. All right. This has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Say it with me. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tie. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, 
and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.